This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. This is a part two from the previous episode where we were talking about how it's time for us as Christians to go deeper into the realms of the spirit. We have reached a crescendo right now, I believe, of light versus darkness. What do I mean? Right now, everybody is trying to push the envelope, is trying to push the boundaries of their beliefs, of what they stand for, uh, whether it is right or wrong. Uh, It just looks like right now everybody is pushing the envelope of whatever their belief system is, whatever their power source is. And this whole concept of light versus darkness is built on uh, the premise that every people group, every category of people, whether it's in the context of politics, whether it's in the context of music, whether it's in the context of social media, whether it's in the context of movies, whether it's in the context of technology, whether it's in the context of faith, uh, you know, talking about the occult and um, new age and um, everybody is pushing the boundaries of their of the dimension of 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 that thing you know the the restraints are off in politics the restraints are off when it comes to immorality the restraints are off when it comes to um you know social media vanity uh the restraints are off when it comes to content um by restraints what i'm meaning is that uh don't only look at it from a with a negative connotation but i mean one of the things you talked about was social media is now uh this whole concept or this whole yeah the concept of content has has gone deeper where it has now become addictive you know uh the example we use is that back in the day you know you could only take pictures with, with you know with the with the manual films the films that we had and most cases if i remember correctly the film would give you i think 18 or 20 pictures something like that maybe 24 uh I think the bigger films would give you like 30. But the point was back in the day, you could only take one picture. So you had to be selective. But then everything has become digital to the point whereby a picture was just not enough for people to capture everything. You know, people now want to show everything. You know, it's no longer a picture, one picture of you at your destination. Now it has morphed into, you know, 20 pictures. And then it went from just 20 pictures to now more than just one video to now a pre-video 
before that thing happens, before the happen, before that event or that occurrence to now a video as the event or as the experience is happening to also now people coming back and saying my thoughts about my trip to this place, my thoughts about eating such and such, my thoughts about watching this movie. So content producers have, have, have gone into the deeper realms, into the deeper dimensions of possible content to harness every cranny. And because of that, we're seeing uh, as a result that people are hooked. Social media has become a drug, a real drug to be concerned with. There's too much content. Um, yes, this comedy that comes with it and the memes and that stuff is funny, but I think right now it's just too addictive. Uh, personally, I, I can't keep up with it. So even when I say I'm going to get on online for, you know, 10 minutes, it's just too much content that it's you, 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 it's hard even at 10 minutes having an exposure to like probably a hundred types of different kinds of content. You could take a hundred different viewing experiences, you know, videos, reels, posts, pictures, it, it, it becomes addictive because now it leaves you with this thing called fear of missing out, FOMO. So once FOMO is created, FOMO keeps pulling you back. Now, for me, social media is not my drug because I overcame that habit a couple of years back. But even for me, who is hardly ever on there, um, you know, I might go on social media maybe like, uh, Twitter, I just go in there to see headlines, kind of what's really happening around the world type thing. I just do you know headlines for me, just a few here, a few here, just to kind of get the temperature. Um, but sometimes I might go two weeks without checking Instagram um, or I might check it for five, five, ten minutes once a week. So, and I can see why people will be addicted because even when you get on there, it, it feels like my goodness, this is a whole sea of content. And, but I'm trying to go underneath the surface to show you the fundamentals uh, surrounding social media, politics, and to say at the end of the day, the principle that I'm trying to, to, to bring to attention is that in every realm, in every context that you want to look at it, Content, politics, sports, anything, uh, rights, activists, everybody is pushing the, their boundaries, right? Now, from, from, a, from, from a spiritual standpoint, even people who are partaking in the demonic realm, in the satanic realm, in the occult, in things like New Age, are also trying to push the boundaries of, 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 of power you know, of access to, to, to supernatural, right? And the cry that I'm making out to you right now, if you're listening to this, is this. Out of all the people groups, it is evident and clear that Christians are the people who haven't started diving deeper into the realms of the spirit. Because if you put someone who's been in the demonic realm or the occult, 
for three years, on average, on average, if you pick on average an average Christian and you pick on average an average person partaking, practicing occult or, um, you know, you know, uh, you know, witchcraft and wizardry, you know, people who are, who seek, uh, Satan for, for prowess. If you take those two people on average, you pick out someone who's practicing witchcraft, wizardry, whatever it is, and you pick out just a rate on average, a Christian, you will see that the person practicing witchcraft and wizardry knows more about how to access the demonic realm than a Christian knows how to access the, 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 the realm of God. And it's a shaming. It's a shaming that every other people group is pushing the boundaries. You know, um, I saw a post somewhere of, you know, this whole love is love. And it's saying love is not restricted. Love has no, you know, gender constraint. It has no race racial constraint and now it also had it also has it has no age restraint you know so now there is a provision for people who want who feel that it's their right to be attracted to minors and these groups are on twitter and they have huge backings and there's not a lot of backlash against them because that's where we have gotten to is all restraints are off in every category, all restraints are off. People are trying to push the boundaries to see how far can this go? How deeper can I take this? Now, Christians, we are the only ones who haven't said all restraints are off. How deeper can I get into the realms of the spirit of God? And that is now the problem that we have. Because the scriptures are very clear that the kingdom of, of heaven rules over all other kingdoms. So these other kingdoms that are also trying to rule, but the kingdom of heaven rules over all other kingdoms. However, the reason we're not seeing that power being manifested is because we haven't really tapped into the mysteries and found out what are the mysteries of this kingdom of heaven. And an example that I used Another scripture that I, I, I brought to our attention in the last episode was in Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. Jesus was talking to his disciples. He had finished teaching the parable of the sower, right? Of the sower and the seed. And in verse 11, in verse 10, his disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it is not given. So Jesus would, would always go out and teach in parables. Now, the reason he did that was that he was protecting the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he would say things, he would always come back when he was publicly teaching them, he would teach them in parables. Now, his disciples will always come and get lecture number two, a follow-up lecture, where he would explain to them what the parables meant because he wanted them to understand the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's, it's a two, there's two ways you can look at that. The people who would always be interested 
in follow-up questions, Jesus would answer them. Because that's why Jesus taught his summon on the mount uh, in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus, his longest sermon, the summon on the mount, Jesus goes at length to explain the, beati the beatitudes. And the first beatitude, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to explain what I believe are the workings of the kingdom of heaven. How you can how you can access it. You know, in verse 4, he says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. He starts to explain, it's almost like these conundrums. Like, what do you mean, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted? Then he goes on, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He goes on to also say, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So the point is these the for us as Christians, it is our duty and our responsibility in this day and age, this time, to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven require knowing things about sacrifice. Because every people group, every no matter what context you look at it, the, the, there's an underlying theme of sacrifice. And as Christians, we still haven't really understood the workings of the mysteries of, of the workings of the kingdom of heaven. How do you get power? How do you get the power out of the kingdom of heaven to back you up? You know, we have several blank checks. I mean, not several, but a couple of blank checks in the Bible. That Jesus said, you know, all things are possible to he that believes. You know, that's a blank check. Um, things like, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, I will do it. That's a blank check. Another one, in Mark 11, chapter 23 and 24, after Jesus had cast the fig tree, he gives us another blank check. The first one he says, have faith in God. That was, he has given them the bottom line of how this miracle happened, of how he cast a fig tree and said, no man eat fruit of thee from here after forever, right? And then the disciples asking him, master, the fig tree that you cursed is dried up from the roots. And he answered them and said unto them, have faith in God. But then he goes on to explain, having faith in God, what does this give you access to? He says in verse 23 and 24, he says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. There's so much in that. I want to kind of dive into more mysteries and start showing some mysteries that happened in the Bible. 
but that's a that's a scripture that gives you a blank check it says that whosoever shall say unto this mountain now that is a working of the kingdom of heaven now that is a principle that is a principle of the earth it says whosoever shall say to this mountain so that right there shows you when a lot of christians are asking themselves why is it that non-believers why is it that atheists why is it that people who are there, people who don't believe in god are prospering are able to be victorious in this and that and because there's a law there it's called the law of confession and the law of confession is a universal law that god has put in motion it's a law within this earthly realm in fact it's it's, it's a universal law that here jesus says whosoever he's not saying if a christian shall say unto this mountain so that's a principle that someone who's who doesn't even believe in god can partake on and bring themselves victory in a situation you know speak it into existence you hear this other people talking about it the power of words these are all principles that are from the bible the all these principles are what are they're all rooted in the bible but people have taken them and applied them to their different realms and it works for them but we as christians we're not using them and yet we have access to the spirit realm that governs every other spirit realm, to spirit realm that has more power than every other spirit realm. People are showing up to work with the backing of occult powers. People are, are getting business deals with the backing of occultic powers. But Christians are not. So we need to start asking why. We need to start asking these questions why. Because a lot of Christians, when things are happening or not happening in their lives, they just, they, they don't want to think that there is any responsibility for them. They always, every time something doesn't happen in a Christian's life, um, and I hear this a lot, and sometimes I'm tempted to also pull out this card. There's always two cards if something doesn't happen in our lives, we always put pretty much narrow it down to this. It must not have been God's will. It must not have been God's will. Or on the other hand, we throw it up to the sovereignty of God and say, well, God knows what he's doing and I, I leave it up to him. Now, in theory, it sounds very correct. But it's a religious, it's 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 a it's it's religious ignorance. Because if you study the Bible, you'll see that there's been moments where God's sovereignty hasn't come to pass. Why? God is sovereign, but these these places in which these contexts in which that sovereignty uh, applies. And there's other cases where it doesn't. Okay, God says it's not his desire that any man should perish, but all should come to repentance. Jesus, God even said, uh, the scripture in the Old, Old Testament says that, I do not, it's probably in Ezekiel or Jeremiah, where, where God says, I don't take pleasure in the death of, uh, it says, I, it says, I don't take pleasure even when the wicked perish. So even when people don't believe, people who don't believe in God perish, 
it's not that God is, is smiling, that he's happy and saying, oh, you know what? This person has cursed me out. This person's an atheist and they don't believe in me. And because this calamity has befallen them, I am happy. No, because there's already a law. There's already something that says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe on him. So God is sovereign, yes. He has made, he's, he has made his sovereign love available to everyone. But does everybody go to heaven? No. A lot of people reject heaven. So God has made a provision for everybody to go to heaven, but he has been rejected by a lot of people. So God's sovereignty doesn't, doesn't forcefully, he doesn't force everybody to go into heaven because heaven is a jurisdiction. Heaven is a dwelling place for people who have acknowledged that there is a God, that want to be in a realm of God. So God says, okay, I've given you free will. If you don't want, if you don't want to believe that I exist, if you don't want anything to do with me, that's okay. You, you'll go to hell. You'll spend eternity there. Right? So heaven and hell is not that there's going to be a lot of good people in hell and there's a lot of bad people in heaven because the bad people that we look at on this earth as bad people, once you understand that there's spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies, the people don't just act out of, people don't just do bad things because, you know, because they're bad. No, once you understand that these spirits behind wickedness and evil, and you also understand that people, when people are good, there's, there's an inspiration from God, right? So once you understand that someone picking up a gun and going and gunning, gun, gunning down a school, yes, politicians, we can argue and say, put more laws on preventing guns you know, easy access to guns. You can turn it into a political discussion. You can turn it into uh, 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 grounds for uh, passing legislation, which is fair, which is fair, right? Which is fair. But it will be stupid of you to think that it, that legislation is going to stop all the evil out there. God has tried it. Someone, there's a very powerful quote that says, if man cannot be contained by the Ten Commandments, man will have to be contained by 10,000 commandments. Basically, it, it, it will have to get to a point whereby the freedom of everything will be stripped away because there'll be a legislation and a rule and a law and surrounding everything. So God first comes and he gives them the 10 commandments. It was just 10 commandments. How many people today can say that they have walked perfectly in the 10 commandments? It's just 10 commandments. So God tried this. The 10 commandments were not enough. People still didn't get it. Then he brought uh, the book of the law. The law of Moses actually contains 613 commandments. 613 laws. There's the big 10, 
which is which everybody knows, most people know the Ten Commandments, the Big Ten: Thou shall not kill, thou shall not commit adultery, thou shall not use the Lord's name in vain. All of those. But there is also six in total. God gave them laws, six hundred and thirteen of them, and still evil things kept happening because these spirits behind evil things happening. The power dynamics in our world go beyond the natural realm. That's why we're saying we need to go deeper into the realms of the spirit because there's a scripture that says in Daniel chapter 11, verses 31, 33, in there it says, for the people that know they are God will be strong and do exploits. Meaning it doesn't matter whether it's the, whether these people know the living God the God of the Bible, Jehovah, Elohim, El Shaddai, Yahweh, or these people are seeking the power of Satan. Yes, people who seek the power of Satan will still do exploits to the degree that they know how the power of Satan functions. Likewise, if you know to what, to, if you are well versed with the deep realms of the spirit, and the workings of the kingdom of heaven, you can also start to do exploits. Now, when two people, both who know their God, when the force of darkness comes up against a force of light, the force of light is always going to win. But only if the force of light also is operated at a degree of knowledge that it has to be. So if you don't have enough knowledge about the realm of the spirit of God and you go up against someone who has more knowledge than you in the realms of the spirit of darkness in the occult, they will beat you. Their business will prosper more than yours. They will. They will. You will be, um, you will be um, defeated. You will be defeated. And we see this. We see this when the children of Israel were also being liberated from Egypt. So Moses says, how are you going to send me before the king? At that time, it was Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the king. God had to elevate the power of Moses to the level of a God. So God did not just send Moses as a king. You see, God did not meet Pharaoh at the level of his power. God elevated Moses to a power higher than the power Pharaoh had. Pharaoh, so Moses, God, God told Moses, I have sent you as a God before Pharaoh. So, meaning, whatever power Pharaoh was going to counter with, Moses' power had to be greater than the power of Pharaoh. And you can see this. They went toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Moses showed up. The first showdown, Moses throws down his rod. It turns into a snake. Pharaoh's magis, magicians and wizards, they also throw down their rods. And they also turned into snakes. Now, Pharaoh and his people were, 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 were the source of their power was the power of darkness, Satan. Now, Moses' power was backed by God. 
But what differentiated their power is Moses' snake started to eat up all the other snakes. Then they would keep on doing different um, plagues. Moses would do this. Pharaoh's guys would also be able to do it. But it was almost like the, the higher they would go into the deeper realms of power, Moses always eclipsed Pharaoh. And that's what eventually broke Pharaoh's hand. And he said, okay, I give up. You're the better man. So the point being, right now, a lot of Christians are finding themselves in arguments on, on forums, trying to argue which God is real. Uh, you know, all religions are the same. You know, the Quran is the same as the Bible or Buddha or Google Narak or, 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 or all of these, you know, uh, Scientology. Uh, basically, we're having arguments and discussions that we do not even need to have. Because if we knew how to manifest the power of God, this thing will be shut down. There'll be no more argument. There'll be no more argument. We have to go deeper into the realms of the spirit. There's some mysteries to the kingdom of heaven, as I said in the last episode, that we need to get to a point, honestly, where we look at some of the statements, the the seemingly unattainable, unrealistic statements that Jesus made. And we need to say, guys, why isn't this happening? Why isn't, any, why isn't our church doing the works of Jesus, even greater works than he did when Jesus gave us that access? That's a mystery that we as a body of Christ have not really uncovered to understand how does this work so we have this blank check i mean there's a, there's so many mysteries surrounding what jesus said in john chapter 14. in john chapter 14 verses 10 no from verse 12 to 14 we see something that jesus said that the body of christ still hasn't cashed in on he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. There's a mystery. It's something, we, us tapping into the deeper realms of the spirit to really bring this to fruition, that we get to a point where we're doing the works that Jesus did and even greater works. We know that Jesus raised people from the dead. We know that he healed all manner of sickness and disease. We know he healed mental illnesses. We know he cast out devils, demons, and all of things that were disturbing and oppressing every, that were oppressing people. We know that he countered the status quo. We know he challenged uh, religion. So most Christians, we are getting tied up in this whole thing of religion. Jesus said, 
Jesus came to counter religion. Jesus did not bring religion. And so when most people, I talk to some people and, and, and I say, and I say, most people, they, they, they love this fall back on uh, people that are, that they don't want to really get into this subject. They say, yeah, I'm not really into religion. And I tell them, I don't believe in religion. I don't do religion. I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ, that he's the son of God. And I, they're surprised to say, isn't that, isn't Christianity religion? I say, it's not a religion. People have turned it into religion. But it's not supposed to be a religion. Religion has no power. Christianity, the reasons why it was called Christianity is, is in fact supposed to be Christian. It was supposed to be like your new identity. The, the, the Christians were first called Christians at Antioch because they, they thought that now that Jesus had gone, Jesus Christ, only to see that he had so infected so many other people that they were all walking around like him. Their behavior, the miracles and signs and wonders of the disciples and apostles, when, when they started to spread the gospel, um, that's what got them the name Christians. They were Christian-like. They were Christ-like. So I don't do religion. Religion is powerless. Jesus himself said, uh, your own religious practices have prevented you from experiencing the true power of God. So Jesus came to break down religion. This thing is about power. Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven. The first thing that Jesus said when he came back from the desert, the first words that he uttered out of his mouth, when he before he started his ministry, after he had come out of the wilderness and he had been he had been fasting for forty days and tempted by Satan, these are the first words that Jesus said. It says, "This in this is in Matthew chapter four. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." Jesus did not bring religion. He came to destroy religion. What did he bring us? He brought us the kingdom of heaven. He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was persecuted by religious people. The scribes, the Pharisees. Those are the people that crucified Jesus. It was not unbelievers. It was not atheists. So Jesus is everything counter-religion. In Luke chapter 4, he gives us a glimpse into this whole thing of the kingdom of heaven, what he's going to do. This is Luke chapter 4. So Jesus comes out of the wilderness after being tempted by Satan. He overcomes all those temptations. And then it says, and Jesus returned in the power. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through 
all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Eli, uh, Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord. This is what Jesus said. He is basically saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Here is what the kingdom of heaven is going to be all about. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. And he has sent me and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened unto him. And he began to say unto them, This day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. Everything, the enforcement that Jesus was going to bring was going to be about the kingdom. He did not say repent, religion is at hand. He did not say repent. Um, um, he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is, these are the some of the workings of what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to do right now. It's supposed to be about preaching the gospel. The word gospel means the good news to the poor. It says to heal the brokenhearted. How many people are brokenhearted right now in the world? It's too many to count. It says to preach deliverance to the captives. Why was he calling them captives? What were they, cap what, what were they captive to? And recovering of sight to the blind. Recovering of sight to the blind. He was not only, yes, Jesus went on to do miracles, healing blind eyes. But the, 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 the blindness here he's talking about was spiritual blindness. Just like I'm talking about right now. Christians who kept thinking that, the, that, that everything not happening is because of God's sovereignty. Oh, it was not God's timing. Oh, it was not. No, 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 no. He was saying recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We need to be real about these mysteries. It's time. We cannot narrow down everything that is not happening in the body of Christ to the sovereignty of God and just say, Kasarasara. And just say, it must not have been God's timing. God, you know, God knows what he wants. It, it's an easy way out. It's an easy way out. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 5.17. Paul says, be not unwise, but discern what the Lord's will is. That's in Ephesians 5.17. Paul says that. Be ye not unwise, but discern what the Lord's will is. 
Now, what's also very interesting, yeah, Paul says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, to show you what happens, when Jesus was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, something beautiful was happening. So, in the book of Colossians, you really see the power of darkness and the power of light. The kingdom of heaven, who's the, who's, who sits at the throne of the kingdom of heaven? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, we have also been engrafted into this family, this royal family. So we're also now called sons of God. Both men and women are called sons of God. We have been made kings and priests once we enter into this kingdom. But what's very interesting, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13, it says, it, it talks about, um, it, it talks about, first of all, this is very beautiful. Uh, let me start Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 13, so that you get the real power of, of what I'm saying, of we need to go deeper into the realms of the spirit. So this is Paul. Paul was praying for the church at Coloss or Colosse, if you want to pronounce it like that. The church, the Colossians, Colosse. And in verse 9, he talks about how he's always praying for them. He says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. Paul is saying, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh-huh. This is one of Paul's prayers. And for me personally, this has become one of my daily prayers, that I will have wisdom, that I'll be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and to all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul here again is telling us that, guys, in order for you to be fruitful, this is the expectation. This is God's expectation for us on the earth. This is his expectation for us, is to be, to walk worthy of him. How? How do you walk worthy of the Lord? How? How? Paul tells us, unto all pleasing, it says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Then he goes on to say, this is his prayer, that he's praying for them, that they might be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power and to all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Now, Paul, there's an urgency Paul is saying here, all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is what I'm saying. These spiritual concepts as Christians, we still haven't ventured out into. We're still on the fringes. Church is still business as usual. There's certain things that we're not understanding. And I'm going to start diving into some. I'm going to talk about Daniel. I'm going to talk about some other interesting happenings from the old covenant. And you'll see how some people that tapped into the, the, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven were able to do exploits. So Paul, he's saying that these access for us to be knowledgeable in God's will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. This is what I'm saying. The people in the occult 
right now, they have more spiritual understanding of the of the workings of the occult, and they're able to manifest power and a miracle for them in faster time than we, the children of God, are able to because we're not doing our homework. Because for them, they understand the language of sacrifice. They will stay up at night. They will know how to invoke. They will know what enchantments to use to invoke to invoke demonic spirits over regions that will favor them. They will they will do all of these things. You hear of stories where you you go past a um um these these halls these these places where these people meet and and you'll see uh, someone is in fact telling me a story that there was there was there was two places there was a church in that place and there was also like a meeting place for 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 the occultic people and he said there was always more cars at the occultic residence than they were at the church these people were putting in overtime these people were going deeper into the realms of demonic powers. So Paul is also urging us, saying that there's an urgency for us to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He says that we will walk worthy unto the Lord, unto all pleasing, be fruitful in every good work, and increase in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Then I love this. He says, giving thanks unto the Father who has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Light versus darkness. Then here he gives us basically a line, a division, a dividing line of these two kingdoms. He says that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of of his dear son. Now, isn't it interesting that he does not say that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the power of his kingdom? No. The first thing is you've been translated into because the, 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 the governing principality of the earth right now until their lease runs out is Satan. The Bible calls him the prince of the air. Okay. So by default, the power of darkness is the ruling power. That's why Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because there was another kingdom that had reign over this surface, this planet, earth. Remember, Adam and Eve committed high treason and gave the keys of the kingdom of the earth to Satan. So Satan became the god of this world. That's what the Bible calls him. Satan is the God of this world. So that's why Jesus was saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Meaning I have brought another kingdom. And now in Colossians is saying that we have been delivered from the power of the ruling kingdom, which is the kingdom of Satan. And he causes the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now in that kingdom, we function with light. The kingdom of his dear son is the kingdom of light. But they still work for us to do. Once you enter into the kingdom, you have to know how the kingdom works so that you get access to its power. That's why in verse 14, he says, 
in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Now, he goes on to show you that everything in the spirit realm was actually created by Jesus. However, you have to understand that some of those systems were corrupted and they became the kingdom of darkness. So th there's so much here, but another very interesting scripture that really tells us to dig into this mystery, going deeper into the realms of the spirit of God, spirit of light, to go deeper into the realms of the spirit of the kingdom of heaven. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, In whom, in Christ, Christ in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow. All treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So that's there. Once again, we have this whole mystery that anything that is a mystery to us is just being hidden for us. So in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Okay, now, 1 Corinthians tells us that these mysteries were actually hidden for us, the children of light. So we have homework. There's work for us to do, to go venturing out into uh, these mysteries. I, I, I really want to jump into some mysteries, but this... I need to explain before I bring up some scenarios of other scenarios where I'll say the body, of, I'll bring up a mystery and say the body of Christ hasn't fully harnessed that mystery. So Paul tells us in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world and to our glory. Right? And he goes on to say, but God has revealed, you know, people, a lot of Christians love to always quote this scripture and stop there and say, but, it, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love them, that love him. But we stop there. No, 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 no. Verse 10 says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit, you see, God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. But it says, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. We need to go deeper into the deep things of God. It says, for what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of a man, which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. It says, but we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God. You cannot discern deep spiritual things with your mind, with your intellect. Why? 
They are foolishness unto him. They are foolishness unto your natural mind. Neither can you know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. But who has known the mind of God, the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is all a, a passage on going deeper into the spiritual things. But he's saying that we need to stop trying to discern spiritual things with our minds. It doesn't happen. We discern spirit with spirit. We discern spirit with spirit. But I love this in verse 15, second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 says, But he that is spiritual judges all things. This is a call for us to judge all things. Because all things have a spiritual root. He that is spiritual judges all things. Okay. Let's let's um, look at an interesting mystery of the people always talk about the powers that be. Okay. Paul says this is very interesting. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, this is this is this is a good one. In first, no, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says, um, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. Why would Paul talk about pulling down things if they didn't even exist? He says, pulling down strongholds. He says, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Then he goes on to say, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. This is another access for us into the spirit, into the kingdom of heaven. One of the ways you access it is through obedience. It says, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Then he says, do you look on things after the outward appearance? He says, do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ's, let him himself think this again. That as he is Christ, even so are we Christ's. So that's a very interesting question. That is, do you look on things after the outward appearance? Now, in Ephesians, Paul gave us. He talks about a mystery, but I want us to read that, and then let us go to Daniel, the book of really. It's a very spiritual book that really explains the workings of the spiritual realm and we will camp there because there's some really juicy stuff there okay let me ask you let, let, let us establish this i need i need to read this and then i'll also talk about the temptation of jesus and you'll see that it was most christians read it literally but these mysteries behind it so this is ephesians chapter 6 
Paul says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Wow. He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Why does Paul keep talking about power, power, power? Paul is always talking about power. He's saying, as a Christian, you can't walk around without power. If, you, if, you, if you're powerless, it means you're going to be defeated in this world because everybody is using power to win. The people who are selling the top albums, they're also having their power from somewhere. Everybody's showing up with power. My brother and sister, if you're not showing up with power backing you up at work, you're going to lose. If you're not, if you're not running your business with power, you're going to lose. If you're not trying to keep the foundations of your marriage with the power of God, you are going to lose. Why is Paul emphasizing power? Everywhere we read, he's talking about power, 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 power. He, he said in, in uh, I believe that's in Philippians, or uh, <laughs> it, just go through the Bible. Just do this as homework, as a study. Power. Every scripture, every, the word power is littered all over the place. I just flipped the page from uh, Ephesians chapter 6. He's saying, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You need to ask God, I need to access your power. I need to access the power that can power up my business to become profitable. I need to access the power that can help me at work. I need to access the power that can help me break away from addictions of pornography, of drug addiction. Listen, honey, um, um, brother and sister, you can either go through 12 steps program. You can either try to fend off an addiction and go three years of rehab or you can access the power of god and break the power of satan at an instance and be delivered from drug addiction in one week with no withdrawals i've heard of people who have taken the path of jesus christ the power of god and they haven't needed to go through 12 steps programs three years of rehab this 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 and that it's a time for us christians to say i've got the power you remember, you remember that song they say, I've got the power, I've got the power. It, it's an, I believe it's an old, um, oldies classic song. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got the power. Um, you need power. Christians need power. Christians are powerless. Satan's children are powerful, more powerful than Christians. Right now, it, we're reaching a crescendo of a showdown of power. And if someone is go, someone is going to face you up, you're going to need to manifest the power of your God that you believe in, and you're not going to be able to manifest anything, and you're going to be defeated. Christians are frustrated because they don't understand that the moment you say, I believe in God, I make the Lord Jesus Christ my Savior that you have automatically chosen on which side you're going to fight from. However, if you don't have the right gun, 
Satan is going to take you out. He's saying, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then he goes on to talk. The first thing that he talks about is um, Paul. The first thing that he talks about here is be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He makes the statement and then he goes on to talk about why we need power. Why we need power. Remember, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 said, verse 3, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. And he tells you straight up, he says you, he tells you the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now in Ephesians, he's telling you, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul just keeps talking about power. Then he tells you, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then he tells you against what we wrestle. He says, for we wrestle. He's telling you, listen, listen, brother and sister. He says, why do you need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? In the power. Why do you need power? Why do you need access to power? He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers wow so people who talk about the powers that be yes there are powers that be paul says against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world these people who are behind the darkness of this world the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places against spiritual wickedness in high places now, he's showing you what you're up against. He's saying, well, you cannot afford to go out there, to, to live on this planet right now, planet Earth, where you're walking around without power. And all I needed to do was just flip the page to the previous chapter, Ephesians chapter 3. Again, so powerful. He says, um, I'll perhaps read this in just like an, another translation. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3. This is also very powerful. He's also talking about power. And I believe this is a kind of power that we also need to be aware of. But I, I'm just trying to bring all these evidences of this thing called power. Before I dive into start opening up mysteries, I wanted to be ingrained in you that at least right now you should be asking God, I need access to your power. I am powerless. This is, this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. Very powerful. He says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. So you need revelation to know the mysteries. It says how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, 
by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 3. I'm now reading verse 5. It says, this mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Wow. He says, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Grace is a gift given to me by the effective working of his power. Paul was able to manifest the power of God, the effective working of his power. Paul is the same one who said the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. He goes, wow, this, this whole chapter, um, let, me, let me just quickly go through it. Um, I guess we will, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a part three. In part three, I want to start looking at um, other examples from scripture that show moments in time where certain people got, it was almost like, uh-huh, they got like a, um, they got a test, they got, they, they got like some insight into the power of God. So anyways, the purpose of this mystery, Paul just goes on to talk and says to me, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. God created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Ah, wow. Listen to, listen, listen to this. He's saying to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Wow. There's an urgency for the church to manifold, to, to manifest the manifold wisdom of God, to make it known. There's, a, there's an urgency for the church right now to make known this manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers that be. That listen, we understand you've got power, but we've got power that overrides your power. 
It says to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Do you remember in Ephesians chapter 6 that Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities? Powers. He said principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in the heavenlies. This is what Paul is saying that right now it's in it, it's our duty. But he says we have, uh, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, he says in whom we have bold, boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask you, I ask that you that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Then it goes on to say, for this cause, I bow my knees to the father. Um, he goes on to make a beautiful prayer. Now, Paul prays this prayer in Ephesians 3.20. He wraps it up by saying, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. According, he is able to do more than he's able to do more than we can ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by christ jesus to all generations forever and ever amen power that works in us there's a power that works in us we have to activate that power so um the, the point of this of, of this episode has been to present the urgency, the need for power. So we, we're just going to go through scripture and I'm going to stop at different hallmarks, at different points, and show you how, that, that there are mysteries in the kingdom of heaven that I'm also just stumbling upon and saying, wait a minute, that bears us calling for a halt and saying wait wait a minute we've been praying about this this thing is not happening what is the problem let's go let's go diving let's go scuba diving we need to go deeper into the realms of the spirit of god i'm gonna leave you with that think about that i'll i'll, I'll, I'll we'll meet again episode three uh the next the, the part three of this I want to start, you know, uncovering moments that require that I think the body of Christ, that probably your Bible study group, uh, that you can start camping out on and saying, listen, these things here that we do not understand, and we should understand them. So thank you for tuning in. Selah. This was Unplugged. I hope this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Cavander. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. That will be part three of this same topic.